want to tell you a story that happened to me a number of years ago. I like to call it Domino's Pizza Domino Effect on Peace. You're familiar with Domino's Pizza, maybe, some of you. We were driving home. It was late, fairly late in the evening. We were hungry. We had been traveling needing something for my wife and I and our two young children at the time to eat that we could all agree upon. Oftentimes, when you're trying to find one thing that everyone doesn't mind eating, what do you do? You could choose pizza, right? So we thought, all right, Domino's Pizza is close by the house. I called in advance, ordered the pizza in hopes that I could just walk in grab it, pay for it, and go home. This is before the days when you could pull out your smartphone and order on the app, which, by the way, is so awesome that we can do that now, and it's so much faster. I, I would encourage you to try it. So, everything went well, but then began, as I walked in that night to the Domino's Pizza, what I like to call the Domino Effect on Peace. When I walked in, there was just two workers there. It was so quiet that night. There was one cashier, there was one guy in the kitchen, and me. I walked up, paid for the pizza. The cashier, young lady, said, it's just going to be about five minutes. I'll have it to you. thought, great. This is working out just as I expected. All was going well. All was at peace. Nice. I paid for the pizza. I walked back and stood in the back just observing what was going on when this young lady cashier got some extra bills and coins out to put into the register. She opened the register, and the drawer fell out of the register and exploded all on the floor. Dollars, coins going everywhere. You know... Things like this happen, right? Accidents happen to all of us. No big deal. We all kind of laughed it off, smiled, you know, everything was just fine. Well, suddenly the phone rang. At this point, the guy in the back chimed in and said, just put them on hold and clean up real fast and then get back on the phone with them. She said that was fine. She did just that put them on hold, continue to try to put the money back in the register as fast as she could when another customer walked in. So, now we've got a customer in line, someone on hold, and me still waiting on my pizza and one cashier starting to unravel on the floor. Her coworker in the kitchen takes a pizza out of the oven, puts it in the box, and puts it up on the to-go rack. I know that is my pizza, right? I know it is. I'm staring at it. Have you ever had this experience? You're in line. You know that's your pizza. You're staring at it, but you can't get it. Did I say anything about it to this young lady on the floor unraveling? No, I did not. I was doing everything I could to hold my peace so that she could also hold some semblance of peace in that moment. Now, 
the grand climax of the domino effect is the phone rings again. Another customer had walked in also. So now there's two in line, me actually making it three, and the phone, uh, someone on hold, and now the phone rings again. Now I'm thinking to myself, if that was me, that would probably be me calling back after I'd been put on a long hold, just seeing if I could get through. Sure enough, it was the same person she had put on hold a number of minutes ago, and let's just say he was not happy. Matter of fact, I just remember watching her as she was on the phone with him and her eyes getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, she just said, okay, have a good day, and she hung up. The lady that was first in line by the counter, she must have heard everything that that guy had said. And she tried to console the cashier and tell her, listen, it's not your fault, don't worry about him. And she said, yeah, he cussed me up and down and then said he's taking his business elsewhere. Well, I finally got my pizza and went home, but I got a whole lot more from Domino's that night that I had bargained for. I not only received a hot pizza that night, but I also had fortified in my mind a hot principle on peace that God, I believe, wanted me to remember. You know, that man on the phone that night, for whatever reason, I don't know if he was like this all the time, but that night, he definitely lacked peace, right? He cussed that poor girl up and down, told her that he wanted to take his business elsewhere. But I thought to myself, when it comes to the peace of God and sharing it with others, instead of taking my business, his business elsewhere, I know he wants me to take it everywhere no matter where I go. The Christmas story has this message for us. And I'd like to go to Luke chapter 2 and verses 8 through 20 and just enjoy the message again by reading a broad passage of Scripture together. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. I'll put it up on the screen. But there are Bibles in front of you if you need one. The Bible says, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. It goes on, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Amen. God wanted to announce in a major way to the world at Christmas, His peace was being freely offered to this earth, and it was going to come through Jesus Christ. In verse 10, the angel says, I bring you good tidings, other translations, good news of great joy. This message is the gospel message. As a matter of fact, the Greek word used there is the verbal form of the word that we translate gospel today. It's euangelion is the noun, and the verb is euangelion. I'll get it right. Euangelizomai. Thank you very much. It's been a while since I've been in Greek class. So this is the very word that is used for gospel. This is what encapsulates the entire gospel message. Good news. Good news of great joy. This is it. This is the message that the angels brought to the shepherds that night from the very get-go. And so this is why the Lord sent the angel And the angel says, the glory of God has shone around them. That this is not just an angel or angels that are showing up. Who else is showing up here? God. The glory of the Lord is showing up and shining all around them. And they recognize that. That this is God's presence also. Pretty awesome. God's own glory is revealed here. And then suddenly an angelic choir, of course, shows up and announces, we've already read, glory to God in the highest. This glory that he deserves is the highest of glories. And on earth, peace, this is the message. Goodwill, peace to men. Beautiful message. Also, one last thing I want to point out before we move forward is the fact that they announced that this is Christ literally translated the Messiah here, and yes, he is the Lord. So the message the shepherds are receiving is that God is born on earth this very time. Pretty powerful. The shepherds receive fantastic news that night, earth-shattering news. This news is so amazing that they See this scene also with the message. I mean, it's overwhelming. So much so that what's their response? It says they were afraid, right? Their initial response was they were afraid. There's something that has happened in the 
human DNA since the fall of Adam and Eve that has caused this. There has been built among and around our hearts a great wall of separation, guarding our heart against God as if He is something that we have to be afraid of. Maybe you've heard the good news of Jesus in your life about what a Savior He is, about how great a gift He is in this world, but something is making you afraid of letting that wall come down and your heart being in unison with His heart. There's a problem when that wall stays up when it comes to peace on earth. I told you a little bit about my grandfather last week. I'm going to tell you another little story that he used to love to tell us about working on the farm in North Carolina, you know, back in my grandfather's day. There was a ton of sustenance farmers all throughout the Carolinas in the western side of the state where he lived in the mountains. That's what they did. They had a working farm, and they grew food to sell to the town, but also to feed themselves. He and his several siblings all worked the farm every summer, and they worked hard. And by the time they were done with work, they were starving. And he said one evening, one summer day, his mother brought a plate of steaks down to a building where they used to eat together. There was a table inside of the building and several windows around, and it was open air, it was hot, so they let the air flow in. They lit the candles at the table, they put the steaks down there on the table, and said, Grace, everyone had one steak apiece. Great Depression era. But there was one steak left over at the end. And Grandpa says that every single eye was staring at that plate in that last steak. When suddenly, a great gust of wind came through the windows and blew the candles out, it being just dark outside. When it went dark, there was a lot of noise of people scurrying and diving across the table from what it could sound like. When the light came back into the room, however it did, I guess they relit the candles, they all were a little bit ashamed because the stake that they thought they had all plunged their fork into happened to be the hand of his grandfather that had gone across the stake before. <laughs> they felt so bad that they let him eat the stake. <laughs> but in their unwillingness to share a portion of that stake with everyone, they hurt somebody in the process. You know, my grandfather's blood runs deep in my veins. As a matter of fact, I think we all have that natural, sinful nature that presents a roadblock when it comes to trying to keep us from accepting this message of Jesus and then going and sharing it the way the shepherds did. And when we don't do this, inadvertently, whether we mean to or not, we are hurting others in the process continuously. I was one who, for a large portion of my life, was afraid of that message I kept hearing about Jesus and that peace. And finally, praise God, like the shepherds, I decided to meet Jesus for myself, and that changed everything for me. Everything. 
The shepherds were afraid. But in hearing the message, they finally talked and they decided to go and see Jesus for themselves. They wanted to experience Jesus firsthand for themselves. And it launches them into an immediate kind of life that yields this fullness of joy and perpetuates purpose, amazing purpose. This is an amazing story of transformed lives, even when Jesus was just a baby and just born. Already Jesus has people who are going out and proclaiming exuberantly this peace about him even before he can even open his mouth and utter words. That's powerful. Let me ask you, did the shepherds go out and share the good news because they were obligated to do it? Did they go out and share the good news because they had to do it? Somebody said they had to do this. No, they naturally went out because they had seen Jesus, and when they saw Jesus, they couldn't help but go out and rejoice and praise God and tell everybody they could. When we come away with this life-changing experience of Jesus in our hearts, we have this attitude of rejoicing of praising God, and there is something that compels us to share the message of peace to everyone we come in contact with. It seems like this powerful ingredient for this life transformation was an experience with Jesus when we look at the shepherd's story. And so I, too, am thinking about my life I, too, am thinking I need more experiences with Jesus. I've seen how when I finally accepted Jesus and wanted to see him as Lord and Savior for myself, how it did indeed change everything, and now I want to continue to have more and more experiences with him so that I can share him and his peace. And what is so crazy is that when we spread God's peace to others, then peace is magnified in our own life too. This is the amazing way God works. God wants peace to grow everywhere on the earth, in your life and in the people who you share him with. Psalm 37, 11 says that the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in what? An abundance of peace. This is scriptural, that we would get an abundance of peace with this life. Jude 1, 2 says, may peace be multiplied to you. Not just have some peace, let it be multiplied in your life. I love that. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 says that the increase of God's government of peace, government and peace will have no end. This peace will continue, and there's no limits on it. God's intentions are to spread peace and let it expand in our lives, in others' lives. Let it explode upon this earth and emanate and radiate from me, from you, from any who desire to see him as their Lord and Savior.
This is what it's like to live an abundant life. And what propels me to continue sharing God's peace with others. And the Bible seems to agree with this, that this is a beautiful life. Isaiah chapter 52. I'd like to go there with you now because I want this scripture to sink so deeply into all of our hearts. We never forget it. Isaiah 52 and starting in verse 7. If you'd like to go there. (coughs) Excuse me. This Verse is quoted in Romans chapter 10, verse 15. It's also quoted in Nahum 1.15. Isaiah 52, starting in verse 7, says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things. Does it sound like the angels might have been using Isaiah 52 in their announcement to the shepherds? Who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together. Interesting. Angels were singing together that night. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. The Bible says, beautifully here, that people who share peace are living what kind of life? This is the beautiful life. It's so beautiful, as a matter of fact, that when God comes again, it says that they will look at him eye to eye. Isn't that fantastic, thinking about when God comes, that we can stand up and before Him and see Him eye to eye. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be like this. This is how I want to live. I've got the wrong verse up there. It's not Matthew. But this is how I want to live. I want to have this kind of beautiful life. Because the Word of God says that a life that proclaims peace to others is a beautiful life to God. Now, maybe you're like me, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, but wasn't there a place, Pastor Michael, where Jesus said that he did not come to bring peace on earth, but he came to bring what? A sword. What about that? What was he trying to say there? Well, that is found in Matthew. 34, but Jesus there is talking about the inevitability that there are those that are going to be confronted with the message of Jesus, maybe within the same household, and in those households even, there is going to be division because of Jesus, because of the message. Some are going to accept it, and some are going to reject it, and when that happens, there is not sometimes peace within that mindset when that frame where it's all about accepting or rejecting Jesus let us not be so much about peace that when it comes to the message of Jesus we reject it to keep the peace right because who is the author of peace who's the prince of peace if we are rejecting Jesus to keep peace in our household or wherever then we are going about the wrong direction we are going the wrong direction Jesus is the author of all peace. So even in those moments that could seem divisive, choose Jesus 
because ultimately through Jesus is the only way to experience ultimate peace. I want to be so about God's government of peace, his message of peace, that I want to do as Ephesians chapter 6, 15 says, where it says our feet are even clothed with peace. Why would Ephesians 6 talk about clothing our feet with peace? Because I think it's trying to tell us that we are to be taking peace everywhere we go, everywhere our feet carry us. We should be all about peace. God's desire is for us to dedicate ourselves to becoming peace proclaimers, peace prophesiers, peace prognosticators, peace protractors. Want one more? Peace potentates. Amen? Do you want this to happen for you? Would you like to see more of this in your life? Why should we want it? I hope we all want it. Because a life that proclaims others is a beautiful life to God. Lastly, just isn't enough, right? Like we could really earnestly want to be all about peace, but we go about it on our own volition. We oftentimes fail. You've probably noticed that you fail often in life. Many times about myself. But I remember my kids were little, and you've already seen a picture. Here's a picture of us at the beach. They're trying to take a group family picture, trying to wear all the same clothes. And as they grew stronger and better able to do things for themselves, they wanted to prove that they could do things for themselves, you know. And so they would say, no, Daddy, when I would try to help them, say, let me do it. And I thought that was that's great, right? And I'd let them do it. But sometimes, still, the task was way above what they were able to do, accomplish, and that's when they would slump their shoulders oftentimes and they would get extremely frustrated. Why would they get so frustrated? Because they really, really wanted to be able to do it and prove that they could do it. But that's when they would look up in their frustration and their sweet little faces and even sometimes, oftentimes with a tear in their eye and they would, like I say, slump their shoulders and look at me and say, Daddy, I, I can't do it. When I would hear that, what would I do? I come to the rescue, right? I help them, and we get the task accomplished together. Daddy helped them because I love them. So when it comes to sharing God's peace with others, isn't it time that we have that continuous prayer saying, Daddy, I can't do it? And he will know how badly we want it as we pray sincerely, he will notice the frustration and the lack of ability to share peace. Maybe you've blown it even this week in sharing peace with somebody. Well, show God how badly you want it and stop thinking you have to somehow find all the strength to do it and cry out to him and call him Abba, Father. I love what Isaiah 26, 12 says. It says, Lord, you will establish peace for us for you also have done all our works in us. And so I let the Lord establish peace in me as I allow Him to do all those good works and more through me. 
and he gets all the credit as I see it work. A life that proclaims peace to others is a beautiful life to God, and God has the strength to make it happen, and God has the strength to make it happen in you. Amen. In closing, what is your favorite Christmas movie? You don't have to shout it out. I just wanted to get your head thinking. Elf! No, I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to shout out. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Well, there's so many. My favorite, I think, I'm not telling you I endorse everything about the film. I'm just telling you I appreciate the, the core of the message of this movie and it is, it's a wonderful life. Does anybody like this movie that's out there? Okay, good, I don't feel alone. Jimmy Stewart, how can you go wrong, right? The guy, the guy is great. So, I love this. He plays the character of a guy by the name of George Bailey, who is a man that didn't know that he was the richest man in all of his hometown of Bedford Falls, if you remember. But through divine intervention, an angel comes down to him and shows him how the world would be drastically different, at least the area of his world he lives in, had he never been born. Interesting premise. So it happens. The angel changes everything upside down. Nobody knows him now. And he goes throughout the town and sees how everything would be so much different had he not been alive. And at the end of the movie, George is on a bridge and he is crying out to God. And he says, let me live again. Help me live again. And God answers. And Suddenly his best buddies, Bert and Ernie, show up on the bridge in their squad car and he finally realizes that they recognize him now. And so he realizes the dream or vision or whatever it was is over and it starts to snow and it's, you see the smile and joy come back to his face and George now takes off and his whole perspective has changed. He finds his car that he had wrecked earlier and even his wrecked car is a beautiful sight to him. He's happy about that. The town he runs into, he sees his old building and loan business that he reluctantly operated that helped so many people, but even the meanest man in town who was trying to shut him down, he sees him, all these things he sees is a beautiful sight now. His uncle that he runs, had, that had lost $8,000 of the company's money, which back then was a lot of money, and should have caused him to go out of business and would have caused even their arrest None of that matters now. He sees the bank examiner. He sees the officers there to arrest him with warrants for his arrest. And all of them are now a beautiful sight to him. His drafty house, his kids, all are beautiful. His wife has gone out. She's told the town. She's rallied all the people. They are coming now and giving money to help make up for what has been lost through his uncle's blunder. And then suddenly... A friend that he grew up with, a good friend who made a fortune in plastics, calls on the phone and says, I'll wire you as much money and more of what you need. And everything is great. Why were all these people willing to do this for George Bailey in the movie? Well, because of the difference that George made throughout his life, as you see in the movie, sharing peace with others. They close the movie, 
singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing with all their heart. And part of that song is Peace on Earth. George was an instrument of that peace. George Bailey wasn't just looked at as a beautiful person by God. Matter of fact, everybody in the town almost also saw him as a beautiful person. His life was indeed a wonderful and beautiful life. And our life can be a beautiful life because a life that proclaims peace to others is a beautiful life to God. Now, folks, that was a movie and fictional. But we live in real life. And I'm telling you the honest truth today that God can do so much more in your life than what was even portrayed in that fantastical movie with miracles. God works those same miracles and more in a greater way in any person's life that's willing. And so before I leave, I'd like to make an appeal to you today that you would please hear the call of Jesus Christ on your life today. Even though the shepherds were initially afraid when they saw the angels and they heard the message, they still recognized that it was the Lord that was reaching out to them that night. They recognized it. They said in Luke 2.15 that the Lord revealed this to us. Yes, you've come to church today. Maybe you went to Sabbath school. Maybe you heard some testimonies that people told you even about their own life today. Maybe you've heard the promptings of the Holy Spirit on your heart. Even today, the Sabbath, I pray that you will see all those things working as Jesus Christ himself today working on your behalf. He today working to bring you to the place where you won't be afraid anymore, but you will only want to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. You would accept the peace that only he provides and that you will be willing and ready to go out and share it with everyone you possibly can, not just now, but forevermore. Why not ask Jesus in your heart today? What better time to do it than Christmas? Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we are just overwhelmed by the enormity of your amazing gift, Jesus Christ, into this world, this proclamation of peace, Lord, is just incredible for people like us who have spent so much of life in a chaotic state, not with an abundance of peace. Lord, I pray that someone here this morning will hear the message ringing loud and clear. That, Jesus, you are indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the one who was to come, and who is verily God, and who accepts us and forgives us for everything we've ever done wrong right now, if we want it. And who promises to fill our lives with an abundance of peace, multiplying peace in us, and through us to everyone. Lord, I pray that all of us will accept you again right now. 
And I pray that we can go out in such a way, with such exuberance and such joy, that we will finish the work and we will see you come in all your glory. Bless us to this end. Bless us this Christmas, I pray, with this amazing good news of peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.